We are talking uh, with Jeremy Bernard, the former social secretary of the Obama administration, and uh, he's come back to Los Angeles, now working for Mayor Garcetti. But working, I, I'm president of the Mayor's Fund for Los Angeles, so in reality, I work for a board. There's a, a line between the two. Got I want to just put that out there so that I don't get any complaints I'm glad, I'm glad from the lawyers ethics committee. Yeah. yeah, they're good. Good. The lawyers are on top of it. Uh, I, so, uh, I've known you, Jeremy, for about 30 years since we yeah. started yeah, Angle. Yeah, when you babysat for me. I babysat yes. for yeah. you when you were four, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, we started Angle, Access Now for Gay and Lesbian Equality in the late 80s and uh, early 90s. I think you moved from well, Texas, right? Well, I moved from, I was in New York, but I was from Texas. Right. And uh, I still go back, I went back for the holidays, but I have a 72-hour rule, so I don't stay more than 72 hours. Yeah, Austin? What? San Antonio. San Antonio. Yeah. Austin's the cool city, the coolest city. San Antonio is a cool city, uh, but Austin's the coolest, and there are two cool cities in a state full of god-awful cities. <laughs> I shouldn't say that. You I think should. Houston is. Houston, yeah, Houston's Houston, great. Anise Parker, lesbian mayor. Yes. Anise Parker. And, and Dallas had. Dallas yeah. has got it. So it's, it's a lot of sheriff, Lupe Valdez. Yeah, yeah. a lot and of changed. It is changing. It yeah. is. But when you were growing up in Texas, were you like the only gay kid in all of San Antonio? Well, I certainly felt that way. I was, I was in the closet. I was scared to death. Um, I was blessed with having a wonderful family and very loving parents and progressive parents. Uh, people said, Where, did you feel like an outcast being a progressive in Texas? But all I knew were, as I grew up when I was little, is my parents' friends. And they were all progressive and they were all uh, very successful, progressive activists. Some had worked in the McGovern campaign. So I didn't really start to realize how different uh, so much of the politics until I was in school, and then I would argue with the teachers or uh, another classmate, and and because I knew all of what was going on, I was usually able to hold my own. I remember one of the teachers saying, "Well, at least you know what you're talking about, and I can't see past the glasses on my nose, but you you know what you're talking about." And that's so a was, big couple. Yeah, it really was, and it, that was a colonel. Colonel Irwin. Who was your inspiration then? Mom, dad, both? Both, both. My uh, my mom was uh, just so nurturing and so wonderful. And my dad had such a, my mom's still alive, but my dad had such a great sense of humor. I remember the night Reagan won re-election. And my parents always had this big election night party. And we were getting wiped out. And the only thing that we had won as Democrats was the, I think it was the sheriff or something of Bear County. And he was actually God awful, but it was our only win. And then he, it turned out he was losing and someone, there were about 40, 50 people at the house. And someone said to my dad, you know, you're the smartest one here. What the hell happened? What are we going to do? And he said, well, you know, it's not the end of the world. It's damn close, but it's not the end of the world. But he always had a way of, of making humor uh, an important part of life because it's kind of how you get through life. And it was it really helped me a lot, I think, as I went through politics and certainly with the Obamas because uh, Barack Obama and I had a great back and forth. And Mrs. Obama was very protective. So he would say something, make joking about my tie or something, and she would say, Barack, stop it. 
stop it. And he was like, no, no, this is our back and forth. This <laughs> <laughs> so awesome. so it, 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 it served me well. So if there's a young LGBTQ person listening right now, you know, maybe it was your age when you first mm-hmm. got involved in politics, because I'm sure when you were 23 years old, you never dreamed that you not were going to be in the White House. I didn't think years. it was possible. Yeah, not even possible. Right. What, what steps would you tell him or her to take? Or- you know, uh, the first thing is I, I worked and we talked about this earlier. Uh, I worked on two campaigns when it started at the beginning when no one thought there was a chance in hell these people were going to win. I started with Bill Clinton in early 92, and at the time, George W. Herbert Walker Bush was at 85%. And then when I started working for Barack Obama in uh, January, February of 2007, it was everyone knew it was Hillary's uh, nomination. So, but I went with my gut. And what uh, my my dad used to always say, vote your conscience, go with your conscience. And if you go with your conscience and you work for a campaign and it doesn't it doesn't have to obviously be presidential, anything you uh, they they get to know you and trust you. And you don't know what possibilities there are out there. Plus all the people you meet on absolutely. campaigns, right? Yeah, absolutely. Other because, people committed similar causes as passionately. Right. So even if you don't get through successfully the first time, because you, usually we uh, learn the most from our losses, you have built those connections for the next, the next thing. Well, you and I have a running joke that whoever gets endorsed by both you and me... They're sure to lose. Right. That's why I didn't come to you till we were ahead. <laughs> the truth is we've had a lot of wins, but we we do tend to focus on, uh, because it's so funny, on our uh, um, commitment together to candidates that did were not successful. I know. I know. There's a lot of them. A lot of them. <laughs> Looking at the field now. Anybody strike you as particularly interesting? I think there's a lot. You know, I think if it's anything like the Republican uh, primary of a couple of years ago, and there's 15, 17, I believe that each of those people have a 1 in 17 shot or 1 in 15. I I think if we are looking for someone to save us, we're not going to find that. That's not the answer. Um, A Barack Obama comes around once in a generation. But... I think that you'll see amazing leadership uh, because there are so many talented people that are thinking about and considering running that I think um, that someone will merge as uh, a winner. And it could be a tough battle, but, um, you know, we, we have to make this change. We've got to take back the White House um, in 2020, uh, meaning 2021, because too much is at stake. Yeah, absolutely. And the Senate would be nice, too. It would be, which looks better for us this time around. We really had the odds stacked against us last time. What's your most memorable moment in the Obama White House? If you had to narrow it down to maybe one or two moments. Um, uh, after state dinners was always a great feeling, but I think the the biggest moment for me was a second inauguration on the Sunday, the inaugural ceremony was actually on Monday the 21st, but the 20th landed on a Sunday. So the uh, president had a swearing in with only the family in the blue room. And the only staff that could be there were people that were working on that. And I was in the green room. And after he was sworn in, he came over and gave me a hug. He goes, it's real. And I remember even now... Us both tearing up because wow. it was just so amazing. We've got about 30 seconds. Tell us about your book. You got a book coming I got out. a book. I, I started working on a book called Treating People Well with 
Lee Berman, who was George W. Bush's social. And we got the idea of talking about what served us well, and that was treating people well. And this was long before anyone would have thought the current president would be the president. So people say, oh, that was brilliant thinking. It was just pure luck in a way. But we, we, talked about the, we talk about the importance of treating people well and, you know, how to show confidence but also be sensitive and that it makes you more successful. Well, I want to thank you for joining our show, Jeremy. Please come back another time. I, I would, as you can tell, I'll keep talking. So, yeah. yes, I'll, I'll come time, anytime. <laughs> right, thank thanks. you, John. Thanks, Jeremy. You're listening to all of us here at the new Channel Q. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome, Abby Ladd. Well, thank you for having me. That is so funny. <laughs> I didn't warn you about that. I thought you it'd be a kick not. just to watch your expression. <laughs> that was Helen Reddy, you guys. Awesome to hear Helen Reddy's I Am Woman. Abby, uh, for those of you that uh, we don't talk about a lot here, but I am the mayor of West Hollywood, but Abby was my mayor because she and I served together on the West Hollywood Council for many years. We did. And now you are running the programs for LA County for women and girls. Yes, I am. I am with the county, and they have a special initiative that actually supervises Sheila Kuehl, who is our supervisor, uh, and her colleague Hilda Solis brought to the whole board in December of 2016 to say, you know, women and girls... In many ways, lots of good things for women and girls. We have more diplomas. We own 38% of the businesses. Uh, We're, you know, moving up. But in reality, women earn 81 cents to every dollar. And if you're African-American woman, it's 65. Latina, it's 58. Uh, Women have bad health outcomes. They're the fastest growing population for criminal justice. Mm. Uh, You know, lots of disparities. And they said, you know, we want to and recognize we need to make women and girls a priority in this county. And so unanimously it was voted on and they created this time sensitive five year initiative to really look with a gender lens at the county as an employer, as a provider and as a partner to see what we can be doing doing better to ensure that women and girls thrive in and, Los Angeles. And LA County, County has four. Four of the five supervisors are women, so it's uh, it's perfectly appropriate. It's yeah. totally appropriate to uh, do that. It's really probably the most progressive uh, board of supervisors in the country. Yeah, They are just really, all five of them are looking to make a difference for so many and certainly you know, in this day and age, to say that women and girls are priority is really important, and yeah. they were right there, all five. And you said women make eighty-one cents on the dollar. I remember when it was fifty. When I remember it was half. And we've actually moved up. We're not at a hundred yet, but we've moved significantly in the last twenty years. We we have moved, but you know what? Uh, in L.A. County, uh, it's about ten million people. Women and girls are like five point eight million. Uh, we are true partners, and we should be earning dollar for dollar what one what men make and but for women of color it's really disproportionately uh, a problem i mean to earn 68 
you know, cents on, on the dollar. For Latina women, 58 cents, that's, that's not right. We've got to do much, much better here. Yeah, I agree. You were raised in New York, yes? I would, no, I was raised in Massachusetts. Massachusetts, all right. Yeah. So you're, you're from the East Coast, and you're a young Jewish girl in Massachusetts. What kind of messaging did you hear as a young girl about opportunities or maybe the life course for women? Because you certainly didn't follow the traditional course. I certainly did not. Right. And you know, it, it's funny. Um, we're, I grew up in a town in Massachusetts called Peabody. It's spelled Peabody, but you say Peabody. Okay. And, uh, and in our public schools, we're pretty good public schools, but my mother actually sent my brother to private school because he was the one that really needed the education. Wow. So there was really no expectation for You were to, to get much married, anything. have kids, Something, and that you know, was your life course. That was, that was it. We never really talked about it because I never talked about getting married or having children. At some point, I just didn't particularly aspire to that. But it's not like I was really encouraged to aspire to too much. So I had to kind of create my own way. And, you know, so, and I liked public school, so it worked out pretty well for me. But, uh, but I wasn't actually encouraged. If anything, I was encouraged about knowing that if you have something, you always have to make sure you share what you have and give back. Hmm. Uh, you know, uh, I'm not a very, I don't go to temple all the time, but there are some tenets in the Jewish religion about giving back. It's called tzedakah. And my grandmother always taught me that. And so I think that that idea that maybe I have something or some privilege that other people don't have, and I have to look for a way to give back to make the world better and equal, was right. something that always drove me. Now, the U.S. Congress, the House of Representatives, has more women than ever before. Still not 50% but more than ever before. How do you think they'll treat government differently in the upcoming two years? Oh, that's such a great question, John. Well, first, it's great to see all those women. And what was great to see in this last election was how many women ran, you know, I mean, because not all of them got elected, but so many women stepped up more than ever. So I felt like we're, years ago, we had the year of the woman and 92, 92 with and, Barbara Boxer right. and Diane Feinstein got elected to the Senate. And it was a great year, but that was it in a way. And so I feel like there's going to be many years of the woman, you know, that tipping point I think we have tipped over. But I, I believe that you are going to see um, more more transparency. And I don't mean that people were hiding things before. I just think now these women are going to come in and, again, take um, good use of social media in a way to help, as opposed to how some people use social media, uh, but to help shed light on the process, help people understand better the process of government. I think that this new group will do better at that because, frankly, they're going to be learning it. And, 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 by learning and sharing, I think that will help, I hope, restore some uh, folks' um, confidence in, in governance. And I also think that they are going to be more inclusive. They're going to want to hear more from, quote, the people and really make sure that policies have a direct impact on people's lives. Wow. Completely contrary to patriarchy, hierarchy. Yes, Patriarchal a, a little hierarchy. different. A, a little different. A little different. We got to take a short break here for a commercial, but we are talking to the wonderful Abby Land, and you're listening to all of us here at the new channel Q. Selling a little or a lot. 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. That's what that song was written about, respect. Which is a good intro into what we want to talk about now. Because for many years, you were the only woman on the West Hollywood City Council. The only. Now we got two. And we have actually other women running in the upcoming elections. But for a long time, you were the only one. I was. And uh, in your experience, were you treated, you think, differently uh, as a candidate and as an elected official because you were a woman? Absolutely. You know, first, some outright differences, but there's just subtle differences that happen. Uh, For instance, and think back with maybe some of the meetings we went to, and they would say, council member Duran, council member other man, and then, hi, Abby. You know, (laughs) really, just little things like that. Or they'd shake your hand and someone would come hug me. Uh, So subtle but not so subtle, mm. you know. Mm. Uh, things would happen in, in group meetings. And then, yeah, it's, it's when you're the only one, you are treated differently, mm. you know. And also what happens a lot for women, and it certainly happened to me many times, is you say your idea and nobody pays attention. And then um, John Duran says the idea. and people Repeats like, it verbatim. Exactly. God, he's brilliant. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) What a great idea. And, you know, some days you sit there and just go, and some days you say, excuse me, but John, thank you. That was a great idea. But I want you to know I had mentioned it before because you have to speak up, you know, so you you have to speak up. And, Mm. uh, you know, maybe we're in West Hollywood, given who we are and, and our values, it was probably easier to be the only woman. No one asked me to make coffee or clean up after anybody, but Thank but God. that happens. I mean, that mm. happens if you talk to other women who have been on city councils uh, and been the only woman. Oftentimes, they're the ones you know that that you look towards, which is so hard to believe in this day and age, but actually happens. You know, I'm a great lover of classic movies, and I cringe sometimes watching classic movies that were made in the 50s or 60s on how women are portrayed in movies and the images, you know, as the secretary or getting patted on the behind yep. or make us coffee, honey, or this is the open sexual dial. And that was all pretty much status quo in terms of image making for women. Right. And what's so remarkable is even though we have gone forward in time, 
Still, when movies and television and media is shown, women more often than not are shown in the kitchen or cleaning up something. Still, to this day, 2019, you see more images of women in the kitchen or cleaning up something than you do in kind of the way we actually exist in the world, which is why it's still so much kind of um, inequality, Mm -hmm. you know, here, because you are raised, you watch media all the time, and your natural inclination is putting women in more of these subservient ways. So, you know, we really have to fight. We still have to fight for our our place at the table. You Mm -hmm. know, there was just a great law passed in California that mandates publicly traded companies must have a woman on their board. Must. A, studies have shown when you have diversity on your board, when you have women on your board, you actually make more money. Yeah, I'm surprised they didn't have women on their boards. Yeah. Boards of all men, that's just so... There's so many. And now by the end of 2019, every publicly traded company here in California must have a woman on the board. So we have to fight to sit yeah. at the table, yeah. fight to be part of the decisions. Well, I've often told people the root of homophobia is misogyny. It is the root of homophobia. It is about gender identity, about gender role, about men should do X, women should do Y. And you try to cross that line in any way, you have violated the social norms. You know, you're right. I, one of the things that I think is so great that's happening now, um, especially you know, with the younger generation, is more younger people are identifying they and them. You know, it's like we're not going to accept these social norms. I'm not going to say I'm a he. I'm not going to say I'm a she. I'm a them because I'm a bit of, I'm everything. And yeah. I just think that's wonderful. Break that box open. Don't don't put those um, expectations on people just because of what you perceive their gender to be. Yeah, yeah. That's really, I have to tell you, I struggle with the pronoun issue because I'm a, <laughs> I'm somebody, a lawyer. We use language, and language is really important. And it's like, that's not plural. It's not worth not worth fighting over. Not no. worth fighting over pronouns. However Thank people you. want to identify, you identify. Thank you. And yeah. accept it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in the upcoming Congress, uh, Nancy Pelosi, I have just been, I've admired her for years, right? She's so oh incredibly God. smart, powerful. She knows politics. The woman can smile at you, and she's got a deal in the making. And just watching her handle Donald Trump the last two weeks has been so glorious. I've just been eating it up. It, it's great. It it's is great. great. She's just telling him no to his border wall. No, Donald. No. And now he's going to declare a national emergency all of a sudden. I think we're going to see more of that coming up. Oh, I think so. And, you know, what's so interesting, though, uh, so here you have, like, the most powerful woman in the country right. meeting with, with Donald Trump. And and some of the news really talks about the policy and what that means. And still, how much of the news talked about her red coat that she wore on that Are you see, I actually hadn't heard that. Yeah. I didn't even so notice her coat. So there was so much about what how she, she looked and what she wore. And that still is there. And she's the most powerful woman. And she knows how to deal with that, by the way. But it's like, it, again, it just shows right. still how our media portrays. And let's face it, we know that because she's a woman, they call her a lot of names that we're not going to say here on the air. They're on my list uh, of 15 <laughs> words we cannot say <laughs> Yeah, I had radio. a feeling. Let me yeah. look at it. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you know, they would never say those words about a man. And, and she has with grace and dignity and with total determination she's going to fight for what you know i'm a democrat and i believe in her ideals what the american people need and she is not going to put up with that um 
temp- temper tantrums that come yeah. out of uh, the White House. And it's amazing to me when a woman is showing uh, passion or determination, she's often called shrill. And yes. that's the word, shrill and hysterical. But if a man exhibits anger or passion, he's, he's decisive. He, yes. Yeah. Yeah. it's The gender bias that we see is something that we all need to become aware of. Yeah. Gender bias is real. Um, in the county where I'm working with the Women and Girls Initiatives, we just launched a training to teach about gender bias. The county did amazing work last year teaching about implicit bias because we all have it. We all have some bias in us and we need to recognize it. But then to look at how we use gender and the things that we say and do that that dismiss and diminish women, uh, sometimes intentionally, sometimes not. But if you can become aware of it, you have a chance of overcoming it so that we can truly try to have a more equitable place for people. Oh, that's beautiful. We got to wrap it up, Abby Lance. Thank you for coming. I hope you'll come back again. I would love and, to come uh, back. To Good have. to see you. Thank Good you so you much. Too. Thank you. remember, we are women. Hear us roar. All right, you're listening to all of us here on the new Channel Q. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We're here uh, on the new Channel Q, and our next guest is John Erickson, one of the primary organizers of the LA Women's March. Yes, hi, thanks for letting me uh, come on your show. Absolutely, John, glad to have you. The Women's March is coming up January 19th. What can you tell people? The Women's March, everyone's uh, one of the the largest march in US history right here in Los Angeles is happening for the third time on January 19th. Um, The march kicks off at 10 a.m. at Pershing Square, goes to Grand Park at 11. Um, We have speakers starting at nine at Pershing Square, some amazing elected officials some surprise performances and uh then we're gonna try to get through the throngs of hundreds of thousands of people and get to grand park and it's going to be a quite the amazing show wow now i went to the the first two marches the first march was incredible because that one seemed very organic it just it was a direct visceral response to the election of donald trump it, and yeah. you were involved in that one, right? I was, I that was. That was overwhelming. The subways were overwhelmed. Everywhere. You couldn't even get here. You couldn't even get there. And as a person who was running the Pershing Square stage and helping secure speakers and, and really stage managing that, we were on top of a bus. And we had a bus that we thought we were going to be able to park, but we were just swarmed with people. And so we know we had to do everything on the fly and get everyone up and down a ladder, actually. People thought that there were stairs in that bus. And we had to get all the speakers up and down a ladder. And, you know, you look out and it's a See of I think at Pershing Square alone there was like four hundred thousand people. That's I mean, it was amazing. Yeah, I, I'm a native Angelino. I know for for decades people have criticized Angelinos as being very laissez-faire, very complacent. That's not the sense I got that day. No, everyone was there. If you weren't there, people were asking when you were coming, yeah. how you were getting there. I mean, you could have probably walked; it would have been a lot faster. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> very true. And then last year, how many did you have last year? Um, so officially, they'll let us say around eight hundred thousand. Um, That's incredible. The first year was well over a million. Um, after all the numbers were done, and this year, you know, we're on track to have another historic year. Um, and it's because of people are really responding to what's going on in Washington, especially now, and people are really sick of it. And the theme is truth to power. So it's really 
first we marched, then we voted, right. and now you know we're holding our electeds accountable. Wow, that's going to be awesome. Tell me about some of the lineup. Do you have speakers confirmed for January nineteenth? Yes, we do. We have um, you know we have the amazing trans chorus of Los Angeles mm. coming. Um, we have people such as Councilmember Lindsay Horvath. We have um, Nurbezi uh, Flint from Black Women for Wellness. You know we have uh, you know some electeds that I can or cannot say right now, um, right. and then we have some amazing celebrities as well as community and grassroots activists. You know, we have Gloria Allred. You know, we have the people that have been in there because we need to honor that experience, you know, from the feminist majority on because those people have been here. Just because the march is here doesn't mean that anything that's happened before doesn't isn't yeah. important. What do you think you're going to get in terms of crowd? You know, I think we're on track to see probably well over 300 to 400,000 again. I mean, we are seeing great numbers. The enthusiasm is there. It always picks up at the last moment. And we've really been working hard. The leadership, uh, Dina Katz and Emmy Guerca, are just two incredible people that I'm just so honored to work with every day. And everyone behind the scenes doing the march. It's really a team effort. And we're on calls very late at night and yeah, uh, working hard. What do you tell people how to get there? Because that's always the trouble. How do you how do you get there? So luckily, we have great partners with Metro. We learned really quickly after the first year. Um, Metro is always at, adds more trains, so that way you can get there. Definitely take subways um, if you can. Uh, we also have an official partner, Lyft, this year. So Lyft is providing you know rides for first time users that you can get there, as well as making more access points so you can get in and out of the venue quicker. Um, a lot of people are actually spending the night downtown. You know our incredible Jewish community because it is. Saturday will be there and they're actually having morning Shabbat services uh, in downtown LA oh, and wow. organizing that so that way they can come to the Women's March after they observe their religious practice. So we just have such a broad-based coalition of support and it's it's because of the people that come that we're able to be so successful. So a little bit about you because you're not only are you one of the organizers of the Women's March but you're also the president of Hollywood Now, the National Organization for Women. Mm-hmm. And you're a man. Yes, so, you know, uh, yes, I'm coming what, out. What happened? I mean, what what life journey happened to get you to be? You know, I always credit my amazing my mother Mary Erickson, my sisters Allison and Melinda, and mostly my grandmother on my mom's side. You know, Gladys Fritzko. She was one of the first female staff sergeants in the U.S. Army after Pearl Harbor. Um, she joined the WACS, you know, the Women's Auxiliary Corps, and she was a woman in a very dominant male space, the Army, the U.S. Army, and she was um. One of the first presidents of the Wisconsin VFW, she knew the governor by name. He actually coined her nickname, Sarge. Um, and she existed in these very male spaces, but she did it in such a way that women were empowered around her, and she gathered that community. And, you know, frankly, I saw such powerful women like my family, and it never occurred to me in the sense that where I grew up in Wisconsin, um, that women and men could not be the same or equal, um, learning everything that he did and breaking down that privilege and deconstructing it, obviously, as I went on with my academics, um, men need to be more allies to women. And, you know, as you know, being an LGBT activist for as long as you have, the right to privacy, like when you look at Roe v. Wade or any of the rights that women have had are integral to the rights that we have as gay men, um, as members of the LGBT community, and so we need to fight for each other because we're all there for each other in the end. Yeah, I agree. You did academics. What? What did you? I'm just curious now. What? What was your major? What? So my major in college uh, was um, English literature and women's literature, and then my minor is women's studies. But I helped at that time to make the women's studies a major at my school, University of Wisconsin Oshkosh, and then I have two masters in women, uh, gender and sexuality studies, and I'm graduating in May with my. PhD in my spare time. Wow, that is fantastic, John. Yeah. Very fantastic. Thank you. Hollywood now, are you the first male 
president? Yes. So, um, you know, the Hollywood chapter of the National Organization for Women is led by some kick-ass women. I'm very honored to serve as the president. I take, you know, the ways in which our executive board, consisting of people like Karen Ayers and Geraldine Stapleton and everyone, you know, they are they are really the crux of the chapter. And I'm so proud to lead and be there and, you know, do everything that we can to continue now the largest grassroots um, women's organization actually in the country's mission here in Hollywood. And we're very intersectional. We're there involved in the media. So we were there with the Me Too um, issues outside the Oscars during the Bill Cosby trial. Um, and really just organizing here because we're really one of the main chapters in L.A. County, um, if not the only one. Uh, so we, we're doing a lot and we're doing the vagina. Mon- I mean, we're bringing back the vagina monologues for the third year on February 16th. So yeah. we're doing a lot. So you you're one of these unique individuals that has a foot in each camp, right? It seems like you have a foot in each camp and maybe there's more than one camp in terms of gender fluidity. Do you think that women fundamentally think differently than men in decision making and process? Well, I think when it comes down to like, you know, decision making and thinking, you know, women and men, especially if you are more aware of these issues and being an activist, I think when you're an activist and you have to survive in whatever community that you're coming from and and moving into, um, you start really deconstructing everything that's around you, how you've how you grew up. Right. I grew up in a very white town in Wisconsin. I was very privileged growing up and had to break down that thinking process. It wasn't until I met some amazing feminist women and LGBT activists um, that I was able to break down my critical thinking and I think women and men when you become as you know we like to quote you know Congresswoman Waters saying when we're woke to these issues you know we all start thinking along the way of equality right when you think around in those terms equality is what really does say it saves the world and I think we need more people to start thinking that way and luckily all the women and, and men that I'm around think along those terms what's best for the community I come from and it's always in terms of rights and equality and access to things that are fundamental to other communities that you know have just been born into that and don't have to think anything less. Looking at the two major political parties in the country right now, it seems like one party is very much centered around women's equality and uh, one party is not. Yes. Is not. And maybe when we come back after the commercial break, we can focus a bit on that and uh, chat about that. Yeah, I would love that. Yeah, okay. We will We will do that. We're going to take a, a quick uh, few-minute commercial break, uh, but you're listening to all of us here on the new Channel Q. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. That is my millennial producer, Jason Yazin, that picked out that song. It's a great I love song. It. Love it, love it, love it. Um, before the break, we were talking about the two political parties, and it seems like the Republican Party is really out for just self-defeat. Yeah. I mean, Look at Kavanaugh. Yeah, yeah, Kavanaugh. Oh my God. I mean, we have a we you know have a, a person who has been accused by multiple people of uh, sexual assault and rape in some cases, um, uh, actual physical violence, and you have people voting for him to be on the highest court in the land. I mean, you're a lawyer; you've seen it. I mean, he'll be on there for thirty years. Oh, so and awful Roe v. Wade about. and LGBT rights and. 
it's it's something very scary to think about, and that's why elections matter. They do matter. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, she has got to stay healthy. I'm don't I uh, I have signed a form with my legal representation. <laughs> she can have whatever she wants. Give her a kidney. Give kidney, her a liver. arms, <laughs> eyes, teeth. What the you know? What the heck? Right? You know, like she can have whatever. I mean, she is an icon, and she is there. And you know, we have other amazing justices on there, but we're just not sadly. You know, sadly, we're not in the majority right now. You know, I'm I'm uh, I'm a generation or two ahead of you, John Erickson. Maybe two. I hate to say it. Maybe two ahead of you, but uh, I, I know that historically the LGBTQ community it wasn't always that way. There was the L in mm-hmm. one part of the community, the G over here, the T was over there, and the Bs where everybody thought they were liars, mm-hmm. and the Q was just kind of. And there was not a unified coalesced community, but it seems like that's changed. Still more work to do, right? There's still more work to do. I mean, when you look at the people that are currently in power, like we were talking about, you have one party that clearly wants to represent us and is representing us. When you look at the diversity, you know, not in terms of of race, orientation, gender, um, religious affiliation, those are Democrats. And then you look at the other party um, and you look at individuals that are still primarily all white, older men um, and a few white women. And people forget that white women also uphold the patriarchy and also uphold these very stringent standards. And you look at Susan Col- Senator Susan Collins from Maine and her decisive vote on the Kavanaugh nomination when. So disappointing. So disappointing and, and scary, real scary. I mean, I was scared when the president who shall remain na- unnamed, uh, one in 2016, one in air quotes in 2016. And then I think the second scariest thing for me personally was that Kavanaugh nomination. It, 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 it really was shocking. Yeah, really shocking. And I'm wondering now with this influx of all these new women who've been elected to Congress, if the, the conversation is going to change. I, I, I believe it will. I believe it will. I mean, you have representatives in Congress now that are holding town halls for Pete's sake, right? You have um, Representative Katie Hill, who came in in the 25th Congressional District and replaced Steve Knight, a very anti-women's health care, anti-choice, anti-LGBT, I mean, the list goes on, right? Right. And the first thing she did within... I think two weeks, a week of being sworn in, as she held a town hall. He hadn't held a ta- he hadn't held a town hall in two years because of all of his votes on Obamacare and everything else. That just goes to show you, and that's Palmdale, Lancaster, right, right. Santa Clarita. I mean, we have people that are going back to their districts and saying, "What do you need from me as your representative in Washington?" It's yeah, amazing. Yeah. This young woman, um, Alexandria uh, Ocasio Cortez, amazing. Yeah. I saw the video that went viral of her dancing. Now, I, I mean, I'd heard about the, con- the quote unquote, air quotes here, controversy that the right wing was spreading around of her dancing. I watched the video. It looked like a young woman dancing. I mean, I have videos of me doing the exact same thing. There are videos of me dancing in college and having a great time with my friends. I think that just goes to show you how threatened these existent members of Congress that are are of these young women and LGBT people and other individuals coming in and really changing the game. They don't want a Congress of the people. When I say they, it's these Republicans on this other side of the aisle. They want who they decide to be in power. And when you have people like AOC, and I'm fully on team AOC, I mean, anyone that will that control the GOP and the way she does online and cause such outrage as anyone I'm going to be a fan of my book. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, but I mean, if you're going to come for a woman dancing in college at Boston University, I mean, she's a well-educated individual, says what she thinks and does and believes in truly amazing issues, um, then I don't want to be a part of that party. I want to be a part of the party with people are dancing. Yeah, yeah. 
That's Emma. Oh my God! I'm, I'm, what's her name? The woman who said, "Don't invite me to your revolution if I can't dance." Emma. Ah, that's that's you know, this, I, that this happens in middle age. Talk. I'm going to remember it an hour after the show. And you're going to text me and, and I'm tell text me. You and tell you you're going to let me Emma know. Actually, said that. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very cool. I'm really intrigued by how uh, these women, very powerful women in your life, help shape your life. And what is it moving forward that you, John Erickson, want to do for women and girls? Well, you know, I. I want to make sure that my nieces and nephews grow up in a world where when they look at the television, they don't think that they can't be what they're seeing. And I want them to grow up to know that they can be whoever they want to be. Um, And that's where we start having these conversations about men and feminism, women running for office, women being doctors, teachers, the same conversation, but really breaking it down even further. And, you know, I do plan on running for elected office and making sure we prioritize issues for women and girls and and women's education and all education, right? Because women's issues are men's issues and men's issues are women's issues. I mean, with nuances. And it's all around that basis of making sure what's best for our community. I mean, I get to live in the amazing city of West Hollywood, right? Mm -hmm. Where you happen to be the mayor and um, have representatives who like your former guest council member Abby Land to Lindsay Horvath to all these people that prioritize issues that are important to us important to the community and we need to make that the model you know think locally act globally and so however I can be a part of that narrative and be of service to these communities I love and care so much for um the answer is always going to be, what can I do to help? And that's really where it came with the Women's March. I mean, meeting Justine and Emmy, and they needed help. And I said, okay. And then I had no idea it would transform into anything about what it did. But when you say yes, saying yes is a very powerful word when you are really scared. And, you know, like... I, I just saw Amazing Friends um, interview on PBS where she fasted for 37 days for the ERA, the oh, Equal wow. Rights Amendment. Wow. And by the way, it's Alice Paul's birthday today. So, you yes. know, the author. And she said yes to that. She didn't know what was coming, but that's what happens when you say yes to these really important life-changing events. Well, we look forward to seeing you, John, and the 400,000 women and men yes. who will be present January 19th at... 10 a.m., did you say it? 10 a.m., Pershing Square. And then 11 a.m. at... uh, Grand Park. Grand Park on the January 19th and all over the country. All over the country. All over the world, actually. They're they're happening again all over the world. Great. We'll see you all at the Women's March, and we'll be back after this commercial break here on the new Channel Q. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Well, gang, what a great show. What a great day listening to Jeremy Bernard talking about his time in the Obama White House and uh, Abby Land from the county uh, programs on women and girls and John Erickson, the organizer of the Women's March. Great guest all around. I I cannot let this day go without making some comment uh, about Timothy Dean and uh, Ed Buck in the city of West Hollywood because you all know I'm the mayor of West Hollywood and I, I don't usually talk a lot about what I do there, but then when it makes the national news, I feel like I have to. And as you all know, uh, Timothy Dean, 55-year-old African-American man, was found dead in Ed Buck's apartment in the city of West Hollywood. And this wasn't the first time this happened. Jamel Moore, age 26, uh, was also found dead 
uh, 18 months ago in Ed Buck's apartment in West Hollywood. It's two African-American men within a period of two years found dead of drug overdoses. And I know right now uh, that, first of all, the sheriff's department, they are doing a thorough investigation because we demanded that they do so. And the attorney, I'm sorry, the district attorney, who is an African-American woman in Los Angeles, Jackie Lacey, will make the determination about what criminal charges, if any, to file. And people are really worked up right now in the greater Los Angeles community because a lot of this pulls on and tugs on race and class. And uh, and then you do an overlay of drug use and drug overdose, and it's just a very toxic brew. And so uh, I didn't want the week to go by without me at least commenting on it uh, to let people know that uh, we as the city council and mayor of West Hollywood are on the district attorney's office and the sheriff's department to conduct a thorough review of the evidence and then move forward uh, in a just way, a just and proper way. And uh, I know a lot of people are feeling really angry about it and uh, understand your anger. But at the end of the day, this is about crystal meth and it's about drug use. And Timothy Dean, the man who passed away, was somebody that was known in the greater West Hollywood recovery community was having a real serious bout with drug addiction. And uh, Mr. Buck has, uh, you know, in the past had issues around it as well. And so... um, This is what we all need to look at as a community of people. And that is the awful thing that crystal meth does to our people. And here on Sidebar with John Duran, we have talked about crystal meth just about every week because I know firsthand uh, the significant impact it has on our people. My day job is a criminal defense lawyer, so I'm in the courts every day dealing with the carnage produced by crystal meth in terms of the psychotic breakdowns, the suicides, the homelessness. Um, the drug abuse, the drug addiction, and it's so sad to watch when there are overdoses, and that does happen. So upon reflection, the one thing that we can do as a community is to make sure that uh, recovery uh, services, uh, freedom from alcohol and drug addiction is available to our people. The statistics run a lot higher in the LGBT community than in other communities because of some of the trauma that we suffer as LGBTQ people. And we need to make sure that in every community where LGBT people are, that there are recovery services available for those who are willing to surrender to their alcoholism, surrender to their drug addiction, and get back on the road to recovery. So just a quick comment about that. I'm sure in the upcoming days and weeks, more information will be released by the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department and the Los Angeles County District Attorney. We as the West Hollywood Council don't have a lot of power or influence over them other than to persuade them to do a thorough job, which they have assured us they are doing. So more about Ed Buck. Next week, we'll be focusing on the Martin Luther King holiday. I'm going to be having some prominent African-American guests coming in to talk about the Martin Luther King holiday and what it means to them. And um, I think Martin Luther King would be horrified by what's happening in the country now, but he wouldn't be so horrified that he'd walk away from the fight, step right into the middle of it, which I think we are all doing. So I hope you tune in again next week and have a great weekend. Thank you for listening to Sidebar with John Duran here on the new Channel Q.